Welcome. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a while. A lot has changed. The whole world has seemingly changed. Um, but why not? Let's talk some sports. Although there's really not much going on in terms of sports in America, but at least one league is producing some content for us to talk about. And I got my buddy here, Michael Laffey. And uh, Mike, what, what do you got so far? Thank God for the NFL, honestly. Like, what for do real? we do? <laughs> uh, not much. Uh, well, like, we do have uh, ESPN's, uh, you know, Michael Jordan doc. You got the last dance, which was it. great, honestly. It was, that, it was fantastic. Um, and, you know, they kind of had to deliver based on the hype. But, like, true. I mean, th- just thank God for the NFL. Like, this, this is, like, what we need. The escape everyone needs, obviously – much more serious things going on out there, but like just in terms of everything else, like it's probably the only kind of sports content we're going to get for a while. So got to enjoy it while we can. Well, you know, wait, we got another thing coming up. We got, uh, we got some good old NFL draft coming here soon. We do. Uh, thank God Thursday, Thursday night. Thank God we got the NFL draft. Um, probably the most hyped I've been for a draft in a while. Um, Agreed. Even though, you know, I feel like there's not, you know, it, just because there's a lot of intrigue surrounding it in general, just like you know the whole, they did the uh, the mock draft for the NFL teams on Monday, and it was a shit. It show. seemed like it was an absolute shit show. Yeah, um, which so I think I hope there's a lot of that on draft night. I think it'll add to the intrigue. It'll, it'll just be really funny. Um, really sad. We're not going to get the Roger Goodell booze. That's one of the things I look forward to most every single year. I'm and, sure they're uh, going to be. We're going to find a, way, or at least the fans are going to find a way. They're going to just send him like. Video clips booing his ass, you know. Well, Bud Light did that. Bud Light, um, they they said they like. I think I'm pretty sure it's Bud Light, but they, they they're doing some sort of contest where like fans will mail in, uh, the booze like from their basement or whatever. Hell, and I'm hoping they just like yes. you know, put it on a tape and just send it to his house and send it to the he deserves NFL it. league he, offices and making sure make just you gotta find a way for him to see it. You know, whatever it takes, really, whatever it takes for him to see that. Um, I really hope that he does. <laughs> Dude, he fucking deserves it. After all the bullshit, he's. Especially He's after, <laughs> oh my god! Like, especially after he came out and was like, "This is what we're doing," and no one criticized it or else you're gonna be like, "Who are you?" Like, you know, you're not like, you know, you're not. This isn't, you know, a communist country. You're not running a communist regime of the NFL. Well, he kind of is, but you're, yeah, kind of. He's not. He's not supposed to be a dictator, but he is. But he is, and to come out and just say that no one can criticize the NFL is just utterly ridiculous. But whatever, that's how he runs things. That's what he does. Yeah, so. that's what he's known for. He's known to be a piece of shit. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Goodell. Don't didn't, don't mean to don't mean to you know be an asshole. No, we mean it. We mean it. We mean it. <laughs> I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad at all. Luckily, um, the draft is still going on, so it's going to give us something, uh, some semblance of normalcy. But uh, NFL offseason decided, you know, uh, to keep. Charging forward, we got some crazy bombshells of uh, information throughout the whole past couple months. That includes, but not limited to, limited to Tom Brady leaving the Patriots after 20 years to go to Tampa Bay. And let's see, Todd Gurley getting cut, going to Atlanta. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, some reason, being traded to Arizona. Just, you know, just great, normal things happening. Listen, listen, I'm totally back in on the Falcons strictly because of that tweet where they had 10 of 11 first round picks. Like there's talent there. 
Like, yeah, you can't yeah. deny there's talent there. No, but are they all in their prime? Are they all healthy? Like, no, of Julio course not. It doesn't matter. They were first round talents at some point. That's true. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I mean, listen, if you can do it, <laughs> like, you can do else, it. What else do you want? We got we got ten first rounders. But I'm telling you, Dan Quinn now is like shaking in his boots. I mean, he should have been fired last year, and he and he wasn't obviously. Oh, if he does not win more than ten games this year with this team, granted. Health is a question for a lot of these players. If he doesn't go and win big now or win at all, bye bye. I don't think <laughs> it matters. Dang. I mean, he should have been fired two years ago. This is accurate, but also Atlanta. Like I literally looked up when I was reading reading that stuff about like how they got. You know, it was right when they got the new uniforms. Actually, it didn't do it when uh, I saw that tweet about ten of eleven first round first round picks. But when I saw him put out the new uniforms, I was like. Is Dan Quinn still the coach of the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> like I looked yeah, it up, and I was like, "Oh my god, like, this guy still has a job." It's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was waiting for uh, me fired mid season, then after the season, and then like now here we are, and he's still still got head coaching gig. So good for good also, for you, Dan. Quinn. Also, those those jerseys, hot or not, I, I honestly like the the blacks are pretty pretty uh, fresh. But other than that, I just like eh. I, I don't know why you would go with that like tapered look for the colors. On that one and I don't jersey. know how I feel about the ATL. It looks like a, a basketball I like it jersey. on the darker jerseys. I don't like it on yeah. the white. I think it looks kind of weird like on the white. Um, I also don't well, – I'm not really a fan. I mean, they're not really that different, but the Patriots jerseys I don't think are – Yeah, oh, hold on. Like even before we get into the Patriots, why is this the offseason of, oh, hey, everyone's changing their jerseys? Like what – I think it's just how it works out because I'm pretty sure what's every five years teams get new jerseys uh, or they make some sort of change. I've, I don't remember this. They make some sort of change, maybe, but I don't. I don't remember this type of level. Like the yeah, Jets made their change last year. Yeah, yeah, this is the. I mean, I Which guess they weird, don't really have anything this, else. Well, I thought too. Like when the Jets did it, I thought there's gonna be a much bigger shift in the NFL to like having more of the like the name across the jersey because I don't love that look. But I think if every team in the NFL does it, then you know, obviously, it makes a lot more sense. And I think if they more teams had done that, the Jets would have like one of the hottest uniforms in the NFL. But obviously, the teams aren't doing that, so now I don't really know where to, where to look how to look at them. I guess they all want to uh, they all want to be different. They want to be creative. Like it makes Chargers sense for jerseys are fire though. Uh, like the jerseys, love the darker jerseys. Yeah, the dark Hate blue. The, the dark blue. Oh, the dark, dark blue, blue is so is nice, so good. And also dark blue pants to go with the dark blue. Yeah, yeah, it no, would look good with white. Are great. It would look good with if with white, even like white pants too. Um, but uh, hate the numbers on the jersey on the on the um, on the helmets. Like that just really, it just doesn't do. It oh, for I don't me, mind. It looks, I like the way they did it. I, no, I like the way they did it. I think it's I think it's pretty it's like cool. College. Like they, they matched. I didn't like the when they did it like on their when they first moved to LA. They had done it and like it was just kind of like a black like block letters or block number essentially. But the one they have it now, I, I like it a lot actually. I'm trying to think of another team that, do, uh, that does that. Does any other team in the NFL, NFL put no numbers on their helmets? No, no team in the NFL. Yeah. It's a college thing. It's like a college thing. It just kind of like, but it's an old school. Thing I respect too. the change. And it's like old school. Yeah. NFL and stuff. I think they made a point of that too. They made, they made that yeah, a point. Absolutely. It's and like, Oh, we're going back to our roots, which is, you know, listen to each their own. Love the dark jerseys; they're pretty good. Pretty. Sp- it it's the so same, funny like, though because they came after Atlanta, like when uh, they were, said they were going to get new jerseys, and they're like, "We had the best, we had the best, we had the best." They'd come out and they were just garbage, 
That would have been so funny. But they're not. Mm-hmm. So good for them. No, no. Patriots jerseys they, are just boring though. They're boring. It's the same. Uh, the white, like, I feel the like I've already terrible. seen that jersey. It looks, the white looks eh. terrible. They're new. What, what they, they should do, have had a red, white, and then the somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, they ha- they probably still do as a throw. Um, they still have that listen. jersey, but I, I mean, I feel like when you get like new jersey releases, like you the Bucks didn't set. have the cream colored one either. And usually, you at least throw it in the set. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna wear it. Uh, speaking of Tampa Bay, what's What's going on down there in the NFC South? Who who wants to play in Tampa? I guess it's the Everyone. GOAT and literally the best tight end to ever play the game. Yeah, the fact that Rob Gronkowski goes down there now is crazy. I mean, you're taking the Bucks. The like the Bucks from went from, you know, a mediocre team in the NFL to one of like the top tier teams just because they got Tom Brady and now they got Rob Gronkowski. They still got a sick wide receiving core and their defense was top five in the NFL last year. So, I mean, they're still looking at, they're looking to be one of the top teams in the NFL. Now, I don't know. I think there's still questions. Like you are getting a quarterback who's past his prime, albeit one of the best to ever do it. Um, You still pass his prime and you really only get in for another two years or so probably. And then, you're telling me, you're telling me, Tom Brady is past his prime at 43. What are you talking about, Mike? Get the hell out of here! <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but believe me, crazy. But listen, I mean, I think Bruce Arians knows what he's doing. Like, I, I, I obviously, obviously knows what he's doing. But I think he has, like, you know, it's a very calculated plan. You know, get Brady. And last year, all they talked about was that OJ Howard. You know. He's, he should get his opportunity. He's going to get his opportunity. He's going to get his opportunity. All he has to do is prove himself, and he never did. And they're looking for one of those kind of pass-catching tight ends, which obviously Gronk is probably the, be- is the best NFL tight end to ever do it in that category. 100%, yeah. Aside from Tony Gonzalez, maybe. But Gronk's one of the best to ever do it in that category. And so, I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer for them, especially only giving up, you know, a fourth-rounder. Fourth round they got a seventh-rounder back. Like, I don't, I don't get – how that? Yeah, uh, I mean, for that, I mean, f- are you are you really with a fourth round pick? Are you gonna get someone that's as good as Rob Gronkowski? Because really, that's what's going to be. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I mean, and like, yeah, it's a for it's them. It's a, a no brainer. It's a great move, and, and I really do think. Yeah, I think overall, there's something to be said for the fact that Brady wanted to move on to prove himself in a new in a new spot and prove that he could do it without Belichick. And I think you know, I there was. The reason Gronk said he retired was because of all the injuries, things like that. I think there is a lot of truth to that. I think he did miss football, but I mean, for a guy like him who's like so exuberant and like you know has this huge personality, it's so hard for him to stay in a situation like New England, where you know Belichick obviously exactly. has everyone kind of like locked down. So I think he was like, you know, this isn't really worth it for me. But then he sees Brady go down to Tampa Bay. He can be in Florida, nice weather. He can you know have no income tax, which is a nice benefit. And Pretty much, you know, yeah. he gets to play with the best quarterback of all time and know that he's going to a team who has a chance to win a Super Bowl. So for him, I think it's a no-brainer too. It's it's a it's a buddy system essentially, and I don't blame Gronk at all. I know he wanted out of New England and he wanted to be out of the Patriot way, and it's starting to sound like uh 
the Patriot Way wins championships, uh, at least with Tom Brady. We we listen the records still out there to see how Belichick is without him. But uh, you really can see that Gronk wanted out. Tom wanted his own thing. It could be about money, but it could also be that he wants to see what it's like to be outside the Patriot Way and. Gronk was all in on that. He just retired before it happened. He said, I want to go have fun, be young, not ruin my body in a system that constantly ruins my body. Who knows? He might go down to Tampa, have a monster year because it's his boy, and he's a full year recovered from whatever surgery he had last. He hasn't played, but he's been training. He's also in great shape still. He's thin, very thin now. Um, but I don't think that's really so a problem. Might have to I, I really don't on. view that as a big problem. I don't though. think it either. Maybe it's health. It's it might be a healthy weight. I don't know. I don't know how much he is because I don't think he's telling. He's also uh, in WrestleMania. Like this man was ready to sign on the dotted line to be in WrestleMania, but he's going to cash in on ten million dollars for a one year deal, um, or at least one year left on his deal with Tampa. And what is he? Thirty one? Not even. Um, I think this is a great move. No, yeah, Tampa exactly. Bay. It's not like he's old. Uh, no, N- New England is definitely in a rebuilding esque mode. Sorry, Danny. Um, sorry, man. I know you have beliefs that it's he's going to go. Like, and, it's weird to think about <sighs> make it they, that they're going to go and make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're just plain and simple knocking. Well, this is the first time in our life that Unless, I've really seen a rebuilding Patriots team. Like we've grown up with them in the prime of their dynasty. A hundred percent since 2000, since 2000. So, I mean, it's unbelievable. We've really never seen a bad Patriots team, except when we were really little. We don't remember that. And this is it. This is the time to see a bad Patriots team, but is it a time to see a good jets team in that division? That's the question. That is a question. <laughs> that is a big question. I think it depends on what you mean by good. Are you talking about a division I mean, winner? Because if so, no. Yeah, but if you're talking not. about a decent team that has either. a chance of making the playoffs, probably. Yeah, well, now that they have seven teams in each conference, another thing we haven't talked about yet is the complete change to the league itself in terms of playoff reformatting and also uh, due to the CBA, now 17-game season coming in 2021-22 season. Um, I think the Jets, depending on the – it really hinges on their draft. They're still building, like really building towards a future. So – their draft strategy is going to be huge. It's Joe Douglas's turn to take the wheel and try this out. Um, he can't miss. He can't miss. Yeah, man. no. I, well, you know, last year when he came in, obviously he came in after the draft, so he was in a kind of a tough position. Not really, didn't really have a whole lot of time or resources to make a whole lot of moves to improve the team last season. So this is really his first off season where he's kind of been able to sit down and evaluate with the team and. He had a full year there, which is nice to kind of look at the team and know like what exactly he was looking for and what their needs are, which there's a lot of them. So, you know, uh, the list is pretty long. But I think, you know, overall, 
off season wise prior, you know, before you even get to the draft, like I think he did a really good job of building a team that, you know, or, or at least kind of filling the holes, like the biggest needs on the team. And at the same time, not overpaying guys and not really doing, trying to do too much to get the guys that he wanted because you saw what happened last year with Mike McCagnan and, you know, it was kind of a staple of his time with the Jets where he would find a guy that he was kind of fixated on, like a guy like Trumaine Johnson who had a terrible career with the Jets. But prior to that right. was, you know, a pretty, not a highly sought after corner, but a guy who was seen as a guy who could produce still in the NFL. And McCagnan essentially just bitted him against himself and just kept up in the offer. And, you know, he would have a price point where he'd be like, all right, this is our limit. This is, we're not going to get, we're not going to go higher than, than this for this guy. And he just kept going up and up past that offer up and up and up just to get the guys that he wanted. And it led to a lot of misses in terms of other guys that really would have been crucial helping the team. You know, uh, Matt Paradis comes to mind, other offensive linemen last year, all while they waited out the contract for Le'Veon Bell, um, which, you know, was a good get in terms of a player, but didn't really have as much of an impact on the field because he didn't focus on the little things. And I think Joe Douglas is kind of, taking the opposite approach to that, making sure he fills the biggest needs. And then now he's going to try to build out from there. Right. And I think so far in terms of free agency, he's done a great job. Um, I don't think he's made any big trades or trades at all so far. Um, no, the biggest thing he's he, done is not not doing things. <laughs> things like not, you know, not resigning Robbie Anderson because he had a $10 million price tag on him. The, um, the, Panthers gave him twelve, and he walked away. So honestly, and, and they, got Param- they got Rashad Perriman, who could be, a, you know, similar type player to Robbie Anderson. And they already have, you know, uh, 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 Quincy Nunwa, who's injured, and we'll see if he comes back. Um, they have a couple wide receivers there that they also signed last year. This yeah, I mean, year, I, th- I think they have to draft a wide receiver. Finally, you know, no doubt, but, no doubt. And they're still looking for that guy. I mean, it's not like he let Robbie Anderson walk easily. It wasn't like, all right, well, we got other guys here who can fill that role. They don't. Um, they shot, like you said, they signed Brashad Perryman as kind of a replacement, if you will, for Robbie Anderson. I don't think he's as skilled as Robbie Anderson in a lot of different ways. His route running isn't Cheaper as replacement, though. And he doesn't. Cheaper replacement. And, you know, he's got right, a you know, right, pretty right, good right. deal um, in terms of the player he was. He did have a breakout year after Mike Evans went down last year. So, that's an encouraging sign. Um, but, and you know, Gase's offense really needs a guy who can kind of take the top off the defense like that. So obviously they're looking for speed and they got it in Perriman, but you're right. I think a wide receiver is probably one of the top targets in their draft this year. And then that's the, at least for the Jets and in terms of the draft, my biggest dilemma is do you take the fourth best or third best lineman overall at number 11? Do you trade down or do you just go ahead and take possibly the best wide receiver they've had in years in CD lamb, Jerry, Judy or, or rugs? I, 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 for as a, as a jet fan for years now, uh, there's only been a couple offensive players taken and it's kind of set in stone that they're going to take an offensive player, but I want a skill player. And I think that Joe Douglas has done a good job plugging and playing from in terms of the free agency standpoint with certain players, uh, the center from Denver, who is solid. Um, they need to build that line, of course, but they could draft 
more linemen later on. It's a matter of, do you want to take the best of the best wide receiver at 11? Or do you want to take one of the best uh, linemen right then and there, like uh, that kid out of Louisville who is six foot seven, 350 pounds, and is unbelievably fast and strong? Do you want to get that kid? Or do you want to go and get CeeDee Lamb, who could be the number one target for Sam Darnold for the next 10 years and be an absolute boss? Who knows? I, I well, Honestly, I, I, I go with CeeDee Lamb because he looks good. Okay, see, I'm on the opposite side of you, actually. I, I, I agree with you that that's probably like one of their biggest needs, the real – legit receiving threat on the outside something they haven't really had in a while um robbie anson was the closest thing we've had to that but i think that first of all joe douglas said that like his main priority was protecting sam Darnold, protecting uh you know building fortifying that offensive line and i think he has done a good job of that uh, through free agency guys like Connor mcgovern greg van roten uh you still got george fant who they signed on a good deal but you don't have a whole lot of guys aside from McGovern who you can see being on the line for a long time, you know, in going into the future. McGovern's probably one of the only guys in that line who's really going to be there for a long time. So I think what Joe Douglas has really prioritized overall is building for the future, right? Like not just not like a short term view of what can we, we're going to do next, but how can we build this team to have long term success? And I think the most important thing to long term success that we've seen is having a really strong offensive line. So I think from that perspective, you know, this is a really deep class in terms of the offensive linemen that are available. And I think that you have to take one of these guys strictly because if you're really building for the future, then you're going to start to see some sort of progress in terms of the Jets record, which it looks like we will. Um, I think they are definitely an improved team and the, the record should improve next year, especially if you have a healthy Sam Donald the whole year. But right. I think that you need to build for the future. And I think the best way to do that is having a fortified offensive line. And, you know, when you have one of the, you know, deepest classes where you have four guys who really could start in the NFL from day one, um, I think you, you can't really chance that, chance your future, because a good wide receiver is really useless without a good offensive line and the ability for the guy to throw. And Darnold has just hasn't had that opportunity. He gets weight pressured way too much, sacked way too much. And I think they really need to fortify that offensive line before they can really do anything else moving forward. That's fair. And I, I feel like most GMs in the league also agree with that uh, in terms of you got to build through the line first. Um, but Plus the fact that he, he is a former offensive yeah. lineman and like – just the way he's talking yeah, about he's, it, he's, I think that without he's going to draft, he's going to draft. Really, what you did when of you signed George Fant was you. Yeah, I mean, I think what he did with George Fant was he got a really good swing tackle who can play the left and right side, who is able to, you know, kind of fortify the defensive line. He hasn't been, you know, the Seahawks drafted him with the intention of him of him being their starting left tackle for a long time. He ends up getting injured. They had some other guys who come in there do a good job. And so he kind of gets left by the wayside, but he's still a talented mobile left tackle whose, you know, abilities are still there. And I think that his goal was really to develop him into being a good, good left or right tackle. Um, Chuma Doka is the guy on the right, right side of that line there who 
is who they think can still be a quality player. He didn't have a great year last year in his rookie year, but a guy who they still think can be productive. But if he's not, you got Fant there. And then if you draft another lineman, then you have another guy there. So you have three tackles who are, you know, two of three that you hope are, are starting quality, but you know, you know, the more you have, obviously the better opportunity you have to actually find a real starter. So I think, you know, a left tackle here is probably the no brainer. Yeah. And considering the names that are there or should be there around 11, um, Becton, uh, that the kid I just mentioned out of Louisville is, it'd be surprising if he's there at 11, but even still, you still have got, I don't know. There's so many different mock drafts that I've seen that are like, they're all over the place in terms of who values what tackle higher. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is like, what do teams see? Um, like at that list, how do they view that list of guys? Right. Between Beckton, uh, Worfs, Thomas, Wills. Um, right. I love Worfs. I, I watched him um, at Iowa two years ago and last year. Like he he's that that team is fundamental fundamentally sound and Tristan was solid and is solid and is a big man, a big, big man. Most of these boys are big, big men. Like they are strong big guys on the line that will be able to wreck havoc and keep uh you know Le'Veon happy and I'm sure that it, if they draft yeah, I mean, listen, uh, a tackle at 11 <laughs> Le'Veon's going to just clap it up you know and that's what you want Yeah I mean listen you're getting I mean if you take worse you're getting the guy from a uh kind of offensive line factory there so I mean that's exactly. definitely a pretty safe bet I mean honestly I all of them seem like guys who everyone projects will step in and be like day one starters. Um, I think Becton is the one guy who doesn't have that, like, you know, ready to go right now grade. But I think that he's a guy who has all the upside in the world and all the potential in the world to be the best out of this group. I mean, you talk about being fast, strong, mobile, agile. Um, you know, he has some, you know, te- bad tendencies, but overall, I mean, you're getting a pretty safe bet in him too in terms of his potential. So, I mean, right. I think that just having one of those guys there on the line, believe me, I would love nothing more than be able to take a play, a real playmaker like CD lamb at 11. And I think that if there's, you know, a huge run on tackles in the first round that obviously that's what they're going to do. But I think that the, the, the opportunity is too good to pass up to get one of the top offensive linemen who could potentially fortify your line for years to come. That's what I was going to ask you next was, Let's say the situation is three, maybe four offensive tackles are taken in the top ten picks. More likely that three would be taken if, um, unless people trade in and trade That's back. That's the only thing that really works. I mean, you know, you look at the first round prior to the Jets. The Giants are really the first team that are a concern in terms of taking offensive linemen. If that's what the Jets are really looking to do. Um, but I mean, past that, you know, aside from someone trading in, someone like the Cardinals, maybe the Browns, the Browns are pretty much a lock to take one, take an offensive lineman there, but uh, the Cardinals are another option in the team. That I would take say that, offensive the, lineman. yeah, I would say the Cardinals, the, the Giants, uh, and the Browns are, I would say they gotta be somewhat locked. So, I mean, that, that's three out of the four, you know what I mean? So Jags like, too, Jags too, like Jags they need a lot of things and it's like, do they stay with Minshew or do they move on and try to build? Yeah. I don't really know what their plan is going to be there. I mean, that's an interesting spot for them because they're, like you said, there are a lot of needs. Um, 
I don't know. To me, it's always like, I get, I, I don't know. I, I always feel like you don't really want to get the quarterback first. They do have some tackles there in Jacksonville that are decent starters. So, I mean, I don't think that's an immediate need for them. So I think they're going to try to go for a, a bigger swing than that. But yeah, you're right. It's still a possibility. And it's a possibility. I think the most likely possibility, though, is for someone to trade in to get one of those linemen, especially if you look at that, like you say, okay, Carl's probably going to take one. Giants are probably going to take one. Browns are probably going to take one. And the Jets are a good option to take one. So if you have someone that's past 11 that really wants one of these top guys and wants a good tackle, then they're most likely going to trade into it. Absolutely. And I, I could see that happening very easily in terms of these picks because like the kind of teetering picks, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals traded down. So um, the, only, the only thing that, you know, I, it, it, that's kind of a wild card here is the way the draft's set up. You know what I mean? With all these different kind of technical difficulties that can happen. And, you know, some GMs might be scared um, based on what happened on Monday with the mock draft where there was a lot like, you know, technical glitch with the first overall pick. You know what I mean? So yeah, that might scare some GMs out of shit. <laughs> right. So like most of these trades are probably going to have to happen prior to teams being on the clock. Like once the team's on the clock, I don't, I, I think it's really hard for them to really trade that pick. First round, you have 10 minutes, but I mean, there's so many things, different things that can go wrong in those 10 minutes that if something was to happen where, you know, communication was lost, you're having trouble like getting picks in that are you really going to want to risk, you know, trying to get a trade in under the wire when no one's face to face and it's going to be tough to get it into the league office. I don't know. You know, that's just speculation, but it's definitely a possibility that could kind of scare some people out of potentially trading their pick. And I bet that. Uh, there's already been a lot of talks beforehand when it comes down to trades. Oh, there always is when it comes down to trades in the first round, but like I'm sure people have set mindset, like they have their mindsets on what players would probably be taken in those top 10 picks. I'm sure they're already talking to those teams in terms of how it plays out. But yeah, you're right. That's also another little curveball. That's also another entire thing was that a lot of these GMs and evaluators were very upset at the fact that the draft is still on time and is happening right now. Same with free agency. People were not okay with the fact that, you know, during coronavirus and COVID-19, like this is all happening still. It bothers a lot of people. And uh, the GMs like have a lot of work cut out for them. They're all at home doing this type of stuff. And their scouts, they're, they're you know, doing exactly what we're doing right now. They're Zooming each other and, and talking to each other remotely. And it's kind of crazy. By the way, that, that picture of Dave Gettleman in his office was so funny. Like, all those pictures that were going around of GMs having their offices set up and they all have like, you know, 10 different monitors with all these different things on them. Right. And then there's Dave Gettleman with like a giant binder, all these papers around his desk and like one small little laptop sitting right in the middle. <laughs> like it was so God great. Gotta love I mean, Dave what a, what a visual. Man. What a visual. Uh, the thing you t- uh, texted me about a couple of days ago about uh, <laughs> them being interested at Her- with Herbert at four. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can we can get in the Giants too. I mean, just just I mean, we got it. I, Come on, fellow. I, it's not going to happen, but I really hope it does. Like that would be you, one of the mean? greatest yeah, curveballs if they were to take Herbert at four. I, I think that would be uh, one of the greatest. It's possible. In draft I think history. it's very strongly possible because of I don't the fact think it is. I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there, but it would be so great. It would be so so great if that was to happen. I. It's just like the idea that at two, um, the Redskins are going to take Tua. Tua, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I could see that happening, and I think that it would be a total move for Washington to make, um, and then have Dwayne Haskins get traded away, and he's going to go be a baller on a different team because fuck Washington at this point. Like, uh, I can also see the Giants baiting people, like you just said, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, they could Brandon just be. They're not the, sold uh, on Daniel Jones. They could just not be sold. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I think it would be – because all indications are essentially that Dave Gettleman is essentially you know playing for his job right now. So when you're in that position to renege on taking a quarterback in the first round way higher than anyone would have taken him otherwise, I think that that's you – know, it's tough to really go back on that and then take another quarterback this year. But, I mean, nothing's out of the question really um, for him. The Cardinals so, did it. The Cardinals just – the Cardinals just did that. Right, but that's kind of a different situation. Like you're getting a guy you got a guy tenth overall who didn't really do anything his rookie year, and then you got a new coach in there who's looking for a young run and gun quarterback, and that was like the best available option at the first overall pick. I mean, you know, yeah, they screwed Josh Rosen, but I mean they got a guy who they really thought was gonna be the leader of their offense that had that was gonna put them in the best scenario to succeed. So I mean, I don't really blame them as much there, but I and I just think that you know, for Dave Gettleman to be in this position, I don't think that he's going to look to uh, crush Daniel Jones uh, like they did to Josh Rosen. True. What a fall from grace with Josh Rosen. All right, Pete, man. Hopefully he figures it out. They're still going <laughs> to regret it. Still going to regret it. I believe him. Who? The, oh, you you believe – oh, teams, you believe in uh, Josh Rosen? <laughs> well, that's what he said when he got drafted. They're all going to regret not taking him. I mean – I. I was flipping between him and Sam Darnold in 2018. I honestly didn't know who I wanted more, but Sam was oh, like no, the slam dunk pick. Do you want a Darnold? I I would have been tough to pick between Darnold and Baker because I think Baker is is was ready, but you know Browns man. I just always get like it's kind of skirmish with those Big Twelve guys. You know, like guys that just play crap defenses their whole career it's, oh, like, it's yeah. so hard to grade those guys i feel like but we're, i mean he does it the all yeah. time I, I still think he's gonna be a great quarterback in the nfl no doubt but it's just to me I, I i don't i don't love to see guys from the big 12 who are playing those crappy defenses oh yeah overall. crappy defenses bad 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 quarterbacks the big 12 um <clears throat> patrick mahomes no i'm not saying they're all bad i'm not saying that <laughs> at all there's a lot of great know, quarterbacks coming out of the big 12 but I'm just saying, Patrick like, when you're looking at a guy first overall, that, like, yeah. I mean, you know, there was a lot of really great things about Baker Mayfield, obviously, and there's guys way smarter than me who are evaluating his talent. So, like, I'm not questioning him as his first overall pick. But for me, I think when I was looking at the Jets, I, I, I was like, I trust Darnold a bit more just because it was, like, he was more prototypical quarterback than Mayfield was, and I thought that he had better skill set overall. But that's just me. I had no idea. I did not even have an inkling of a thought that he was going to slide down to four or to three. There was no way that he was going to get past one. Yeah, that was a big discussion. Was like who were really going to get at three, but ended up being Donald, obviously. Um, but just moving into kind of started to do that, but just the the draft needs of the Giants here. Um, they're in a really interesting position at four to do a lot of different things, um, and no one really. I don't think anyone really has a complete idea of what they're going to do. There's a couple things that they need. Uh, they, they really need an offensive tackle uh, similar to the Jets. I mean, their needs are honestly pretty similar to the Jets when you look at it. Very overall. similar. 
like Very offensive similar. line. Um, Nate Solder there, uh, obviously bad 2019 season. Got Cam Fleming also, but Mike Remmers, he's gone. Nick Gates, he's kind of an undrafted prospect, so no real guarantees there. Um, and then, you know, in terms of obviously every, almost every team needs a good pass rush and that's something the giants lack. So they're, they're in a position to take one at four, if they would really like to, or not, not a real pass rush, but more of a linebacker at four, um, centers are also in yeah. need. There's really no one they're going to take in the first round for, for the center position, but maybe someone in the second round that they could look to, uh, draft there. If they, if I, I've, uh, if they were to go with helping out Daniel Jones, they should go with the best lineman overall. Um, but my bet is they're going to go with Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Yeah. That man is a bad, bad man. That man, I, I'm turning into Stephen, uh, Stephen A. Oz. Like, come on, man. I, I'm over here saying I'm calling people bad, bad men. Isaiah Simmons, what he did to Ohio State, what he did to other teams all throughout the ACC in for two plus years, he is good. And he is a lockdown linebacker. He's going to light offenses up and he's going to lock down that defense. If they want to go that route, I think that's their best, their best choice right there. Cause that's kind of the best player available in my point. Um, I know that uh, Werfs is the best lineman, but I just don't see him as a fourth overall pick. I could see Isaiah Simmons as the fourth best prospect. Honestly, I'm not sure where he's ranked. Let me look that up right now. But uh, yeah, I, I would I, say I, that's probably their safest bet there at uh, at four. Um, I just like you know, like I said with the Jets too. Like the the tackles are such a big need, um, and they're so deep in this draft that like it's hard to pass them up. But I, I agree. I think that. They'll probably go Isaiah Simmons just because he probably is the best player available on the board and still like a huge need for them and a guy who can do a whole lot of different things there on the defense. And their defense is really weak. Like it's it's extremely weak. So to get a defensive now, playmaker definitely is not going to be a bad thing. But things could change. Say the uh, Lions trade out of their three pick and we get one of these teams, maybe six or five jumping up like uh, Miami or. Uh, LA jumping up to three and pick a quarterback. Then you'll have Jeffrey Akuda, my fellow Buckeye right there coming out of Ohio state, um, who is a lockdown corner. And he did it all throughout his college career. He's been very solid. Uh, it doesn't get penalized a lot. And, uh, he doesn't have the flashy interception numbers, but he had great, like great defensive metrics all throughout and five star, uh, coming out of Texas, uh, from New Jersey originally. Um, I think that would also be a fit, say, uh, the Lions bail right out of there, which is very possible. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, the Giants are in a position themselves to trade back potentially, but like you said, I think if they were to trade out of that spot and trade was moved up to four, the team was move move up to four to get a quarterback, then another team could leapfrog them right there and just go to the third pick with the Lions knowing that, you know, there's going to be two straight quarterbacks taken, they'd be fine moving back to five of the Dolphins or six of the Chargers and being like, all right, I can sit here and still get my guy. Um, so, you know, I think, like you said, I think it depends on what happens at number three pick. Uh, that would be interesting. I, I didn't really think of a scenario where they would take Jeff Okuda there at four if he was available. Uh, 
if, if they're looking to build the back end of their defense, which, you know, with a linebacker or a lockdown corner, they would yeah, I mean, get they it. They did just sign James Bradbury to a contract, but I, I mean, it doesn't help to get a young cornerback there and kind of fortify the back end of that defense either. Not at all. I think Jeff is only 21, maybe, and he's coming out of a very well-renowned system. Yeah, the question, uh, like, the question like I said, is DBU. probably – Yeah, I mean, the question, like I said, is probably still – what is Dave Gettleman really trying to do here? You know what I mean? Like, can he sell the, you know, John Mara and the Giants ownership on the idea that, hey, listen, like, you know, this is the best guy for us right now. Um, I'm getting, you know, fortifying the cornerbacks here. Got James Bradbury, we got Jeff Okuda. And now, you know, kind of building that defense for the future. Or is he still going to be like, I don't know if I can really justify taking Okuda after I just signed James Bradbury. Let me go with Isaiah Simmons, kind of get a good linebacker, a guy who can, you know, do a lot of different things for us. And, you know, kind of make the safe choice, if you will, there at four. There's, there's a ton of different options. I mean, there's still the offensive lineman. You know, it's still a very big possibility as well. So there's a whole lot of different things that could happen there for the Giants at four. I, you know, I just think they take a quarterback at four and they call it a day because, you know, the Giants, Dave oh, Gettleman. So. That'd be so great. That would be <laughs> so, it would just be funny. So it's great. just a – it's a troll-like move for them to do that. Um, but – I think that both the, these teams have a lot to build around, and they have. I'm not sure how many picks the Giants have. I know the Jets have about seven or eight uh, all throughout. Yeah, they have a straight seven. Uh, Giants. The the Jets. Much the Jets the have Giants seven. Either. The Jets have seven straight up. Yeah. Jets have seven straight. So they just, they just um, have seven rounds. That's it. So they have. Oh no, I don't think they have a seventh. Round oh, they got they got that one pick from the Giants actually. They have eight. Yeah, so they have eight picks. Um, I think they don't have a seventh. They have two sixes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they got the pick from uh, the the franchise tag on snacks. Ah, franchise and snacks. I'm going to look this up, see how many. But I think a lot of them, they both have very similar needs, and they're both in very similar positions. Um, It would be smart for the Jets to pick, you know, their, their linemen early and then go and pick their skill players. Uh, one sleeper pick, and I know this is complete bias, and I've been like, you know, I've, I've talked about Ohio State before. I always will. Um, Damon Arnett is a great corner also that came out of Ohio State. Uh, actual former classmate of mine. I, I, I had him uh, in one of my projects in uh, sports media. Uh, I could see him being a... Uh, I... I want to say second round, maybe third round type pick. But if the Jets are able to get him in the third round, they need corners too. That's something we haven't See, talked about. I thought about you were going KJ Hill. Oh, that was going to be your guy. Oh, KJ Hill? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another fellow Buck? I thought Listen, that was going to be going to bring up right there. But actually, no, I, I, don't, I, liked, I like KJ Hill, especially third, fourth round. Love KJ Hill. I also like Benjamin Victor. Love those two wide receivers. But there's just so many wide receivers. Yeah, that's the thing too. Uh, like that, that's why take. I don't hate. You know, I would rather not take um, CD Lamb, one of those top guys at eleven, especially if you still have a tackle there, because the the wide receiver class is so deep that second round, third round, you, you know, you still have some options there who can be legit playmakers on that team. And I think, you know, you get one of those guys. You, you have a not like a sne- a very deep wide receiving core, but a pretty sneaky. Uh, you know, good skill set of players there on with especially with Prashad Perryman, um, Jameson Crowder, you know, all those guys still there. 
you're going to have a decent receiving core if you can get those guys. Plus, you still got Chris Herndon at tight end with Ryan Griffin as well. So, you know, getting one of those decent playmakers there in the second round wouldn't be a terrible, terrible thing for the Jets. Would not be. Uh, one of them being uh, the Clemson uh, wide receiver, Ross. Mm-hmm. That man is huge. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, there's a lot uh, of guys. There's so many. You're right. Like, But also, there's a lot of lineman talents. I'm trying to look up to see how many Giants picks they have. Let's see. They've got a one, there's two. There's a few different guys that – Sorry, they have four – I think they have four seventh round picks. Four seventh rounders. Four four seven rounders. One, How two, does that even happen? three, they just kept for four, five, six, the hidden talent. seven, eight, nine, ten. Don't they have the picks. don't they have the Mr. Mr. Olin pick? What is it? Two fifty five? Two fifty six. Two fifty six. Apparently they have two fifty five. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a few guys um, for the Jets in the second round, like Lavishka Chenault, the wire receiver from Colorado. I like him a lot. If Michael Pittman wants to slide down there, I think that would be that would be a steal. I mean, that would probably be the best pick they can make in the second round. And that's second round is really where the Jets struggle. Um, you know? Oh, absolutely. They haven't had an All Pro second rounder since. Yeah, I, I mean, McCagnan was, was pretty good at ago. just picking the best player available on the board at in the first round, but you know, past that he's had a lot of, he had a lot of tr- trouble. So right. Um, I how think this long, is really where they need to make the most impact um, is in the late second, third, fourth rounds, trying to find some, you know, sneaky, sneaky guys here. Um, yeah. But I, I think someone like uh, Chenault from uh, Colorado or even Pittman, if he was to slide um, Pittman would be my pick there in the second round if he was there, but, Chenault is also a good option as well. Jalen Ragor is an intriguing option out of TCU. I think he's got a lot of really good, pretty good skill set um, for that second round as well. But I don't know. Uh, that this is like the second and third round. Like I said, is probably the most important part of the draft for the Jets here. Absolutely, and I think that. By the way, we were talking earlier, and probably how Joe Douglas has been thinking. Uh, they're probably going to do. They're going to go with their first pick. If not, trade down. They're going to uh, they're going to take a solid lineman, one of the top three or four, and then go down and get those skill players. They get get some hands for uh, Sam Darnold and uh, build that way. And also more linemen. They also and the pass rush. Um, I don't know much past. Uh, Young, Chase Young, on how the pass pass rush uh, that's because the draft is <laughs> really is none right. Like there's a couple there's a there's a D tackle out of Auburn who is like a world breaker from what I hear, but um, he's yeah, like that, a fourth I mean, year or fifth year. Senior. That's gonna be Derek um, Brown, but he's going like I mean, he's going top ten. He's going eighth to the Cardinals. Yeah, this, Derek this Brown. This looking yeah, at, there you but, go. Uh, Derek Brown. Yeah, he's he's probably one of the top guys in the draft at that position. So uh, defensive tackle position anyway. AJ Epinenza, I believe is how you say his name, uh, at Iowa is another edge rusher that could be in the second round. Uh, not a world beater, but a guy who can make an impact for on the edge, uh, especially for a team like the Giants. If he's still there, um, he probably would not make it all the way down to the Jets at 48, but somewhere something the Giants could look at at 36 and feel pretty comfortable taking him 
especially if they were going to get an offensive lineman in the first round, um, that would make a lot of sense for them to grab him there. I uh, I agree. I think that they should. I, I feel like in the second round, um, that'd probably be a good shot for them to keep building their defense. I think in terms of both of these two teams, although their similarities are are true, I think that the Giants probably feel a little bit better about their offensive line, and they should probably build their defense that is atrocious. And the Jets feel a lot worse about their offensive line. They're going to build that way. I, f- I haven't heard much about the also the Giants taking a wider uh, taking a lot of wide uh, wide receivers in this draft. Um, I haven't either. Um, I, I think it's still a need of theirs, despite what they have. Very big need. But I traded OBJ. Of course, it's a need. Yeah, I've, I just don't see where they take one. I mean, I don't know if there there's really no good position where they could take one. I mean, according to this uh, this mock on their on their website, uh, wide receiver Antonio Gandy Golden out of Liberty. What round? Third round. Third round. Yeah, I mean that's probably the the highest look, the look to take one. Um, but I mean, at, at the third round, you know, you're looking for a real steal there to make a huge impact on that exactly. team. Exactly. But I mean, it's definitely a possibility. There's still a need of theirs. I mean, it's but it's the thing is like, especially the first two rounds, like you're going for glaring needs, and you still got Golden Tate, still got Slayton, they still got Sterling Shepard there. So I mean. You know, it's not a glaring need as much as it is for the Jets anyway. And so I, I just don't think, you know, they're in a position where they're going to take a guy, a wide receiver in the first two rounds. Third round is probably the earliest you're looking at for them. Right, right, right. Uh, and, I, and I think that they'll probably also, I think their first two picks would be a solid defensive player and then an offensive lineman uh, help protect Daniel Jones, but also really patch up that back end because it's bad. <laughs> their yeah, secondary yeah. is not good. Um, they're missing, they're missing Collins and all I mean, that's that. That's the case for the Jets too, though. I mean, they're not really that far off, and I think third round is probably a good target to look for uh, a cornerback there. I agree. I hope it's Damon. I love Damon Arnett. I'm sure there's other great corners. Uh, yeah, listen, Damon Arnett's Damon Arnett's a Damon Arnett, man. He played with a broken hand all year and still was able to stop people. Uh, or not all year, uh, most of the second half of the year. Um, he had like a fracture that just wouldn't go away. Um, but overall, it's funny how both of these teams have the same type of need. Um, you know, and, I was looking at it, I'm like, wow, these teams pretty much need the same same thing. And they're in the same type of build. I think they're still in the same. And like, and like, I think I still think, you know, if I was to rank like which team I'd rather be, I'd rather still be the Jets than the Giants. But um, still, it's pretty similar needs for these two. I would say that just because Joe Douglas is the GM, you know, and he's he's making he's making the decisions. Well, not only that, I just Dave think Gettleman. that the positions, you know, that they don't need. I think the Jets are still stronger than the Giants in those areas. Right, I agree. I, I think that the Jets have a lot of strong, like uh, a stronger talent in terms of um, certain players and certain positions. Uh, obviously, safety. Speaking of which, sign Jamal Adams, please. Just oh, they will. Just. Oh, they will. Just fucking do it. No, I, I think yeah, – like, listen, like I said, Joe Douglas going to approach this way different than any other Jets GM we've ever had. So, I mean, he preaches patience. He preaches, like, you know, making sure that we're all, you know, looking towards the future, building for the future. Obviously, Jamal Adams is an important part of that. You don't want to lose him. 
But right now he's focused on the draft, and he said, you know, I'll, I'll make contact after the draft, and we'll, you know, kind of restart those negoti- the negotiation process. But he's not going to do anything rash. He's not going to do anything crazy. I mean, everything that I mean, I think he's handled it like a pro so far. Um, Jamal is really one, you know, he's kind of going out, going out of the Jets for not getting the deal done. But you know, there's other priorities right now, and I think once the draft is over, and the you know the next priority is going to be keeping Jamal Adams. I agree. Um, it's a, a big talk of contention at my house with my dad. Uh, my dad thinks that if you can get a first and a second for Jamal, you trade him. And I said, Dad, there is no safety in this draft that's like Jamal Adams. That's the and thing. It's like you can't. You already have a weak secondary. Like to trade your best player out of that, like just for picks. When you know the Jets are obviously still rebuilding, they're still building their team up. And it's not like they're really looking to compete for a Super Bowl this year or even the year out year after that, but they're on the upswing. You know what I mean? Like they're getting themselves out of rebuild. Probably yeah, seven you know, and nine, not bad. You know, I'd say probably three, four years out um, for being a legit like Super Bowl contender if they, you know, if everything falls into place, you know, if everything goes away according to plan. There's a lot of factors that could hinder that and anything that could happen bad that's, that could happen negatively for the Jets probably will. But I mean, a hundred percent. But I mean, you know, they're looking like they have you know a solid GM who's got a legit plan to make this team a contender for years to come, and he's going to follow that plan. He's going to stick to it, and he's he's shown that throughout free agency. He's going to show that in the draft, and I think he'll show the same thing in contract negotiations with Jamal Adams. I hope so, but you know, this is New York, and this is. Uh... I feel like this is a big market that you should be able to afford a player like Jamal and you should be able to make your player happy. Of course, wait till after the draft, all that. That's fine. That's fair. Uh, he's an untouchable asset to me. You do not trade away your best defensive player on a weak defense currently. He is Listen, the best thing you can get stud. In, the best thing you can get in terms of compensation for a player is like, you know, the the trade's only as good as the players you get from the picks that you get for the in the trade, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. even if they were get were to get a first and a second, which would be a great return, if you don't get a player that's as quality or of higher quality than Jamal Adams, then what's the point? You know what I mean? Then you then you lost that trade. Right. And at this point, especially I don't for a guy who's a- not, you know, he's not like it's not like, you know, he's he's just coming into his prime. So I mean, you're gonna you're I think he just turned twenty five or he's turning twenty five. Like he is young. Yeah, so you're, you're not getting a guy who's you know going to be past his, or is in his prime now. It's going to be out of it in a few years. You're getting a guy who's going to be probably like the top safety in the league for for years to come. And he should get paid that way at least for now. Um, he should get paid here soon. Make Especially him happy. you don't have He's a lot of guys guy. who are going to command that kind of money. No, hundred percent. Like the only the next is, guy who's really going to have to get paid paid as long as everything. But like how out how much are you going to pay him? Like how much are you really going to pay Darnold? When it comes, well, it depends he, on how things go. I mean, these two years are going to be the biggest telling, or the biggest telling points for Sam Darnold in his career. I mean, like this will be the best team that he has, or the best line that he has. Um, it'll be the best theoretically, depending on what happens to the draft. The best receiving, or the probably not the best receiving core, but you know, the best skilled players he has around him. Yeah, like and you know, really, where it's going to see what happens. You know, what I mean, like this is really going to be a telling year for him in terms of his how far he's really come and how much he's really learned. I agree. Um, It's really coming down to it. And we can only hope that uh, he develops enough that we, you know, that the, the jets pay him 
handsomely, but also that's the problem with the NFL is like once you start paying your quarterback, it's tough because then you also want to pay other people to yeah, and obviously you surround Jared him. Golf in L.A. I mean, you know. Oh my God, they paid him, and now kind of a disaster. Exactly. I mean, look at Todd Gurley's gone. Todd Gurley was like the best running back literally two years ago. Yeah, now what happened to him? I mean, the, the fact that he was just caught is crazy. Arthritis in the knee shows shows arthritis how fragile running backs can be. Exactly. So that's like a that's another question: is like, do you want to keep uh, Le'Veon for for years to come, or do you want to look uh, elsewhere? Yeah, I think that's more like of a this... question for next off season. They're pretty sure you know they're pretty much stuck with him this year, but see what happens how how he's able to produce, and you know from there. Take it from there next offseason, really. Right. But I could still see them possibly moving possibly moving uh Le'Veon anytime soon. Uh like yeah, it, no, it could I happen. Could too. But you, you need someone at, at that position, obviously. And I, I still still think he's got a very good skill set. Um I don't think he really showed like he he, he was a little bit slower last year and things like that, but at the same time, at the same time, he didn't have they didn't had no offensive. I mean, he was their single best wep- weapon. Jamison Crowder was their like, I guess their next to Robbie was their best wide receiver with ha- in terms of hands and like he's a great slot. But like, Le'Veon was the best slot receiver on that team, and he could make catches that it was it was it was crazy to watch. Uh, and I'd love for him to stay. I think he should stay. Yeah. So um, I mean, like I I. I a lot of people, I think, are casting him aside already. When I don't think that it's very fair to do that um, until we see what happens this season. True, uh, but I wouldn't be disappointed if uh, the last couple, or last one of their two last picks, they draft uh, a backup. Uh, no, a solid, no, like I, a, I think that's very much possible. I think they should do that. Like get rid of Trenton Cannon. We uh, we don't need that guy. On yeah, the no, team. I, I, mean, he was I a, absolutely think that's something they're going to look to do. Uh, and also, Elijah McGuire is. We don't know, you know. Um, I mean, he's not, you know. Is he even on the I team anymore? Guys is he still the draft there? That are better than a hundred percent. But really, it's the first three to four rounds that Joe needs to hit in terms of, and same with Gettleman. Um, apparently, Gettleman has seven seventh round picks to play with, uh, which is in, or sorry, four seventh round picks to play with, which is hilarious. Stacking the back end, you know, it's a nice strategy, I guess. Um, but ultimately, both these teams are in this in a similar situation. Uh, but how crazy is it that we're about to have an online virtual draft for a professional league? They had like around Vegas and all, all like the you know, pageantry they had planned for that. To see right. it come to this is like very sad. We're just the image of Goodell in his basement announcing picks is just hilarious to me. I, I, I bet it's going it to be yet. a nice sure basement. Look, yeah, like it's going to look normal, but to me, like I'm picturing him in this like tiny ass basement where like he has no room to move and like his kids are just running around everywhere. Like that's just, uh, I think it's going to be funny. And I hope something yeah, bad Yeah, what if, about that? Like what if his internet goes out or what happens to. Well, that's what happened. Uh, they said, I forget who it was, but like, there was coaches who like their wife was like, started vacuuming and like their band and like their power went out or something like that. You can't have that, honey. And like, you they can't had another, be vacuuming one other, while another team, another team, the, their kids are playing video games and it took up too much bandwidth and they couldn't get the pick in. So like, so ultimately you just got to say, no, don't do anything. Family yeah. stay home. Just go to your room, read a book, watch 
watch the draft. I'd be fired up though just, if I was if I was like a GM son. I'd be like, hell yeah, like let me get in this war room right now. I know, right? Yeah, like can I help you pick? That would be so like, sick. No, <laughs> no. that's but, like the dream. What if what, what if someone's son or daughter like goes in there and is like, hmm, fourth round, take this tackle out of USC, and he's going to be great. Yeah, they why? Because he's got a great name. Boom. Turns out to be an all pro, you know, that type of thing. Like that is a story. Listen, you never know. It could either be really great. I mean, it's going to be great for us as sports uh, fans because we have literally nothing. Um, But for for them, it's going to be a unique opportunity and it's going to be really crazy. And it's going to be – this is all historical. So this is going to be crazy to to mention down the road. That like, like, remember 10 10 years years ago? Like, hey, remember when we had that virtual drift? Yeah, remember we had that virtual draft. Oh, we remember were all when stuck we in our houses were, for months. Remember when we were stuck in our houses. Remember when like we had to wear masks. Remember when we had to like we couldn't see each other in person for like six months. <laughs> oh man! And no, that is tough. today, and that's where we're at. And we're you at. know, I think that's where we're going to end this episode here. Listen, yeah. we're back. Uh, wow, we just reached the one hour mark. Gotta love that. Um. I think it's going to be an interesting situation. I hope it goes well uh, on Thursday. But um, I look forward to talking to you again about this uh, once the first round's over. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And then uh, we'll give you our post-draft analysis sometime in the weeks to follow as well. And much more to come on the Concrete Jungle Pod. Still talking about our fellow uh, New York sports, but, you know, not much going in New York uh, right now, but thank God for the NFL, right? Anyways. Thank God. Uh, Mike, it's been a pleasure, man. Been fun. Been fun. All right. 